was a time of the preacher In the year of old one Now the lesson is over And the killing's begun Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. And Ryan Parker. All right, Ryan, with a lawnmower in the background. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to think that he actually lives in a house with people outside. I'm actually, it could be a chainsaw that's like echoing the last ep, one of the earlier episodes of Preacher. I know this. Nobody in Anvil, Texas owns a lawnmower. Because it is and, nothing yeah, but and, dust and, and dirt. Anvil's starting to look a lot like Los Angeles right now, or Los Angeles is looking like Anvil, because I don't know what they're mowing outside. Anvil, Texas is uh, a, a God-forsaken place, and we're going to get to that. Hey, yeah. we are a couple dudes with PhDs in theology. We talk about serial TV shows, that uh, particularly ones that have a theological spiritual bent to them and for sure preacher does although it is surely the most off the hook serial tv show that we have yet covered in our podcast Um, and many thanks to our listeners who have borne with us because we've had life events and the fourth of july holiday and everything come up in between so we've actually missed a couple episodes the last time you heard Ryan was on with our mutual friend, Craig Detweiler, and that was, you know, a couple weeks ago, and so we've got actually three episodes to uh, catch up on. One is called Possibilities. Well, that's actually, the po- oh, Possibilities is where we one. stopped off, so we've By got... That. Monster got, Swamp. We got Monster Swamp. The South Arise Again and uh, the most sundowner. recent one, which is Sundowner. Yeah. So, let me just, uh, I'll just update these a little bit of what happens in Monster Swamp. Jesse bet Jesse is in Quinn Cannon's office and makes him a bet that if he comes to church on Sunday, basically he'll walk out a Christian, and he does that. And right at the end of that episode, the climax of that episode is uh, Jesse. He musters this force within him and says, you know, with some reverb, says says some things to Quinn Cannon, and Quinn Cannon tells him to go serve the Lord. Decides he's going to serve the Lord. Tulip also plays a role in Monster Swamp, and Cassidy gets into it with these angels, and he thinks they're after him, and he just realizes that they're not after him; they're after whatever is inside of Jesse. The next episode, the South will rise again kind of tracks Jesse becoming very popular in Anvil, and much of the episode, uh, Jesse is at in the coffee shop, and people are coming around him asking for pastoral care. So he's got a little bit of this charismatic faith leader thing going. Uh, Tulip and Cassidy uh, get intimate with one another, and that episode opens with a throwback to the 1880s and we see the cowboy the saint of killers the saint of killers uh, he's there in ratwater the saint of killers i mean there's an interesting thing ryan because he's called the saint of killers in the in the comic books but in the show he's called the cowboy and in all the show notes online uh he's called the cowboy and it's just one of those things it's like eugene is not called arseface in the show in the same way that he is, you know, in the comic book, he's Arseface, but in the show, he's Eugene. 
but um, the cowboy, the the cowboy, he it's it's very esoteric what happens because he's going to get some kind of medicine or herbal thing or some little vial of liquid and um he goes into town to get it for the mom and sick daughter he's helping take care of and he gets wrapped up in some kind of unethical scalping behavior in town gets the crap beat out of him well and he also sees he kind of sees what's going on in that town too which is 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 less than savory behavior yeah and then the third episode we're going to talk about which i think is Maybe the best episode yet is Sundowner, and I think it's the best episode. I'll, well, I'll tell you why in a second. But Jesse has a has an incredible encounter with the angels, De Blanc and Fiore. In yeah, and it's yeah, and, and they and they really start to express. I think for people who haven't read the book, it really starts to put some pieces of the puzzle together about what actually is going on. They stop being coy about who they are. They're angels. They're from heaven, and they're here to get the thing that's inside of Jesse. The thing inside of Jesse is called Genesis. It's not the word of God. It's a bastard love child of an angel and a demon. And I want—I just want to say this. One of the funny little side things that I say is, it's like, it, they, they make fun. They, like a couple different times they say, Genesis, what a stupid name. So I get the impression that the comic book writers are actually making fun of themselves in that because they're like that's a stupid name genesis why would you name it genesis you know yeah and it well, and obviously he's going to make you think back on scripture and like how seriously we should be taking that as as yeah. the voice of god you know we think that it's the voice of god but it is a product as as you're probably willing to admit it's the product of something much more complex and and yeah. unsavory so um Jesse, I, I, what I like about that episode is that after all these episodes, finally, that we start getting some straight talk about who these characters are, what's inside of Jesse, which all of us who've read the comics already knew that. But I did, I have felt increasingly um, bad for the people who are just coming to the TV show and have not read the comics because I just think. I mean, I get there are TV shows that are confusing and hard to follow, like Lost. Uh, you know, there, there are those shows. But, man, this show has just been incredibly hard to follow if you didn't know the plot line and the backstory of these characters from the comics. And, and I think that's really – I think that's – it's a difficult thing to do, like, in terms of kind of podcasts like this and trying to connect with an audience – but it's also revealing kind of where we are in television when when you when a network can take a chance on something like this um, that's a little bit different, maybe a little bit outside the box, and that and really is asking for a lot from the viewers. And maybe there's a confidence there that that they're that they're willing to kind of bet on uh, and a faithfulness to the viewers that that you might not have seen five ten years ago. Yeah, I, I think that's right, and I, I do. I just. I really like the Sundowner episode because some of these things are revealed. And there's actually, for you know, for the sake of you and me and what we're all about with this podcast, there's some very blunt talk about things like guilt and grace and forgiveness about what is the Word of God and what isn't. I, I want to lay this kind of analogy on you that when Jesse, I mean, we can circle back to those other two episodes, but I really think so much happens in Sundowner, the most recent episode that, um, you know, it's something for us to focus on a little bit. But 
Jesse is confronted that this with the fact by the angels that that the the entity inside of him is not of God. I mean, it's kind of half of God, but it's a bastard child of uh, an angel and demon. And um, it's kind of funny. These two angels are like, um, you know, it's disgusting that an angel did it with a demon. Like they went, there was a war between the angels and the demons and two of them went off and, you know, did the nasty very, with one it's very Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's the forbidden love, right? And then this um this child, so you know, it's the baby and he's there it's a very well-written scene I think there in the coffee shop. That you know, I I think, you know, Jesse decides that he's going to keep Genesis. He's not going to forsake Genesis and what he says is if God wants Genesis, God's got to come and get Genesis because they make it clear they're not God and they're not even coming speaking for God. These angels, yeah, they're they're kind of like the Blues Brothers in one sense. They're kind of they're kind of like these incapable beings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That and if I it weren't for that, if, I, yeah, and if it wasn't for this kind of regenerative capability, you know, they wouldn't have lasted long in Anvil at all. I mean, Cassidy would have. You know, Cassidy ran them over. Well, got the yeah, they die. They die dozens of times in this yeah. episode, both of them. Which is a one thing. Like they die dozens of times, as well as the angel who's come back to get them. Um, and, the, the most badass soccer mom to ever exist. Yeah, no doubt. And somehow Jesse doesn't ever die in that. You know, in that in that whole fight through in the motel. But here's the thing. I think there's. Um, I think that. Genesis, Jesse's relationship with Genesis is like in The Hobbit, The Ring. And the way that The Ring is ha, plays its good. effect on Bilbo. Yeah. Like he wants, he knows it's not good. He knows the power in it isn't good. But he wants it and he does use the power occasionally. And that's, Jesse seems to have control over Genesis and he's able to use it, but it's funny that he doesn't. It'll be interesting to see, I guess, in future episodes, if he if he struggles with Genesis because it's not the word of God, which he assumed it was, but it's not. And what we know that yeah. he doesn't know is that Quinn Cannon actually just murdered four people. Yeah. Because because he's now following the Lord. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a when when Concanon uh, does what he does to the members of that land development group, it's it's one of two things in my mind. It's that the that the word that Jesse's word to him did not take hold, um, and that Concanon represents some sort of spiritually uh, uh, superior being, or that. It did take hold, and that Quinn Cannon's interpretation of what it means to serve the Lord, which for him would be business, is is far different than what Jesse's is, which is kind of a more pastoral, you know, kind of a feel good uh, approach. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, what do you make of that? Of Jesse? Let's see. How, how do you even say it? Like Jesse's pastoring, his his confidence is increasing in himself as a preacher and a spiritual leader, and he's he's going from er, in early episodes where Tulip almost gets him to hang up the collar and you know go back to his life of crime to now he's just adamant and and kind of unabashedly saying, um, 
I'm here to save this town. I'm going to save this town. But you almost wonder, like, what is he going to save this town from? Well, that must be part of the throwback to Ratwater and the and the the Saint of Killers. That that Anvil is built on. It must be built on the ruins of of Ratwater. Don't you think? Yeah, that's a good point, and I think uh, what what you've already pointed out with Jesse's realization that he doesn't have uh, the word of God in him that really strikes him. There's a there's a look of disappointment on his face, but yet there's still this willingness to hold on to the power yeah. as power that he has. And so I think at the beginning of the season we see Jesse as being this very humble. Uh, person or somebody that's just not sure of their ability at all. And by the way, that doesn't bring anybody to church because the people of Anvil don't want that. They want somebody that has confidence and that can can speak a word that, that makes people do something. But as he grows in power and gains kind of the self-assurance, um, he draws a flock. And I think that's kind of indicative of what most of us want in a pastor. But I think the danger there is that, you know, our pastors are afraid to express their own failings and their own shortcomings and insecurities. Uh, but I think that's what can make them more effective in the long run. Uh, but what you have at the end of Sundowner is somebody who's gained confidence in their abilities as a preacher, but in doing so, they damn somebody to hell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's right. And I'd say that, you know, another... You wonder if if the okay. Let's just go to the very end because this is like uh, Eugene begins to play an increasing role, and I must say that I became more and more I don't know uncomfortable watching Eugene because first of all, let's just say that makeup job on that actor is fantastic, insanely, insanely good. good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I keep looking. For like, where's the crease where the makeup ends and his actual face begins? It is crazy good, the 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 makeup yeah. job. And I gotta say, that's probably one of the highlights of the show is what they've managed to do with the character. Like, because when you if you knew the books, you were like, oh, how are they gonna do this? But they've turned him into probably the most sympathetic character, which also makes him, as you said, extremely uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, when the kids take him down into the into the. Uh, tunnel you know you think oh my gosh here we go you know now they're gonna beat the crap out of him and instead but I, think, they don't. I think eugene's a good entryway into some other discussions too especially about sin and guilt and remorse forgiveness and innocence is that we're all really quick to say oh let's just forgive and forget or that god forgives as far as the east is from the west and we want to and we want to embrace that and live into it but i think eugene represents a far more repentant character than we see in TV, there's another show going on right now. It's in its second season on Netflix and Bloodline, which is all about guilt and innocence and forgiveness and confession, and and has a cast of characters that hold on to their past and to their sins with this kind of death grip and don't want to move forward. I think Eugene wants to hang on to his guilt in a very positive way because I think he sees that as this kind of ongoing penance for his mistake and for what he what he did in the past. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things that like what Eugene's sin of attempted suicide is a bit like um you know you could forgive but not forget because his face is permanently disfigured by 
um, you know, by what he did to himself. And yeah, and, the, and his father, the sheriff, doesn't want to forgive him. But what I'm wondering, what we see with his fellow classmates, are they willing to kind of draw nearer to him because of his kind of growing friendship or his relationship with Jesse? Because Jesse has this fame that's kind of growing in town, and Eugene's kind of attached to that to a little bit. And so I'm wondering if you see these kids, and they're like, okay, he's cool by association. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and and yet we know then at the end of that episode, I mean, two big things happen in the church, in the in this confrontation between Eugene and Jesse. One is that Eugene says, basically, undo, 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 undo. girls, mom, unforgive me. I don't want to be forgiven. I'm unforgivable. And it's like his guilt of what he did is so um, woven into his own self-identity that he doesn't, he not only can't forgive himself, but when um, Jesse uses his, you know, his power to get, to get forgiveness for him, he wants it to go away. He wants it to be taken back. He doesn't want to be forgiven. But, so th- so at first you think he's kind of a, I don't know, he's kind of a constitutionally or spiritually weak person if he can't even accept the forgiveness he's been given. But then you get to the real nut of the issue, and that is he thinks this was cheating because Jesse used the magical power of Genesis to get, to get the forgiveness uh, for him. And then Jesse's about to go out and save the town. Everybody's outside. He has chairs set up and a PA system set up outside for the overflow crowd. And he's going to really let him have it. He's going to save this town. And Eugene is one of the few people in town who knows that some that 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 Jesse isn't just doing his best, isn't doing his best as a human being, but has some you know, extra power from elsewhere. And he's yelling, it's cheating. It's a sin. And yeah. And I think, I think it's interesting because what is a pastor or a preacher's job? It, you, it's not to save a town, right? I and mean, it's to be a shepherd for these people and to care for these people. And I think Jesse, I mean, Eugene feels in some weird way, uncared for by Jesse. Um, and like you say, yeah, like, may, maybe exploited even. Well, and the reason it seems like that Jesse um, even negotiated this this forgiveness for um, Eugene was he was just sick of Eugene showing up and wanting to be counseled, you know. And if he got him forgiven, then he could just move on. And not, you you do get the sense that Jesse is growing impatient with everyday people and their everyday struggles, right? Yeah, and I mean he's he's cosmic that's not now. Unlike, that's not unlike other, but that's not unlike any pastor. Yeah, or God, or maybe God, you know, or maybe like, God, like yeah. Jesse says, he's got the beginning and the end in him. He is this very de- semi divine being, and now he's got to deal with all these, uh, you know, meddlesome kids. Another, uh, uh, you know, intriguingly, another voice of conscience uh, to Jesse is Cassidy, the vampire, who. Is like, are you going to keep this? Are you going to keep this, you know, thing? And Jesse says, I have it for a reason. God doesn't make mistakes. And Cassie says, well, God may not make mistakes, but 
human beings specialize in mistakes, you know, basically. Yeah, and, and Cassidy again, and Cassidy's also a semi divine being who's been around for ages and knows what it means to bear this kind of gift and, and what kind of a a burden that can be. Yeah, so he also tries to convince Jesse that, you know, dude, um, maybe you should think about this and give it back and just get back to your you know, your life and um and i also Cassidy is lives this life of like pure pure hedonism or epicure you know he just he lives for the moment <laughs> he just wants the girl he wants the drug he wants the immediate satisfaction um he's a he's a he's a hedonist you know and he's trying to get Jesse to be like hey man just like eat eat and drink for tomorrow we die, like live it up. And Jesse, again, th- says, you know, his response is, I'm on a bigger mission here. I've got or, something bigger that I'm working on. Or, or tomorrow we won't die. And so all we can do is just enjoy the world that we're living in. Yeah, there you go. That's right. That's right. Man, only two more episodes left. I, what, since we've been on our little hiatus, um, the show's been re-upped for season two, and which I think is fantastic and fascinating but what what are you going to be looking for in the last two episodes of season one so i think what i'm looking forward to uh, maybe over the next two episodes is just some sort of narrative uh kind of resolution like what are they going to do about the past that tulip keeps hanging on to because it's this revenge and desire for revenge that's kind of slowly undoing her um and then what they're going to do with Quinn Cannon like what's his end goal and that's not really been stated so there's going to be it feels like there's going to be a real showdown between Jesse and Quinn Cannon and then also for people who've read the books they're going to know that Jesse's family past is kind of the definition of a dysfunctional family and mm-hmm. so you, you know you brought this up earlier but there's a whole uh you know the fact that this show takes some daring risks with the kind of narrative conventions and especially in television they could devote a whole season to the past uh like they did in in fargo and we could really dive into jesse's backstory or there's a whole lot of uh, characters that as we move forward that we haven't got to other locations uh so maybe they'll have more to work with in terms of kind of the logistics and the budget to where they can they can kind of stretch out a little bit. Yeah, I, I'll be interested to watch these two, particularly these two characters of um, you know it, Eugene. Can, uh, I mean, Eugene's going to come back from hell somehow, and Cassidy is a vampire, so in some ways from the dark side too. And these two characters. I think we'll continue to act somehow as the conscience of Jesse and to watch the interaction, I think will be fascinating between, um, between them because you, I think Jesse's going to have to negotiate, you know, how he, how he responds to these two characters when they continue to get up in his face. And I wonder if Tulip will actually start to play that role too, because all Tulip wants now is for him to give everything up. But I wonder how Tulip, once she figures out that he's got something wrong with him, something inside of him, you know, you've also got that Tulip and Emily thing, and and both Tulip and Emily, I think, uh, you know, are gonna somehow ride herd on Jesse. Well, there's a great, there's that great scene where Tulip and Emily work together to kind of the day to day functions of the church, and there's also yeah. the thing that we haven't talked about too, which is just a little seed so far, which is is Tulip and Cassidy. Um, and that's a big theme in the books too. And is there a kind of a budding love interest there that 
that kind of there now there's this love triangle because Cassidy doesn't look favorably on Jesse the last time he sees him in Sundowner, right? Because they're he's stuck in the closet and yeah. Uh, yeah. and Jesse and Tulip leave and Cassidy's frustrated because he knows that the two have more than they're they're more than just friends. They've got a deeper uh story there. Yeah, I mean I think you know, we we know this from any preacher that the beginning of the end for any preacher is when egotism, narcissism overtake humility. And we're seeing Cult of that personality. start Oh my gosh, it's the beginning of the end, right? Yep. And, and how uh, many how many preachers have we seen uh, get into major problems and lose their ministries because they lost sight of the humility that Jesus calls everybody? You're to? not gonna you're not gonna name names, are you? <laughs> I think names are popping into everybody's head. So here we see here we see it with Jesse. And uh, I think these last two episodes, man, I, I think they're going to be very good. So Yeah, and barring uh, we'll, any sort of other life crises and um, unforeseen events, we're going to be back with a podcast for each of those episodes to round this one out. And, and just in time for what I think would be the next season of, of an old killer serial favorite, or old, but one of our first killer serial favorites is Mr. Robot. Yeah, dude, I you're gonna have to convince me of that one. I don't know if I don't know if Mr. Robot's gonna get me back, but we'll uh, we'll leave it out there. And maybe some of our listeners can weigh in on on uh, whether they want us to dive back into that. All right, well, thanks everybody for listening to Killer Serials, where we try to break down some awesome TV show and uh, throw some theology on top of it and see what happens. Thanks, so everybody. We'll see, yeah, we'll see you next week for the penultimate episode of Preacher. Bye-bye. What do you want, kid? It's about my dad. I want you to hurt him. You know, it's a sin just to ask me that. I know. People said before you were a preacher, you did things. How hurt you want him? How far do I go? Problem is, your daddy's a big fella. He's gonna fight back. Things will escalate. That's what these things do. They escalate. And violence makes violence. Makes nothing much at all. Preacher! Enough! Almost done, Sheriff. Is that what you want, kid? Jesus, what kind of a preacher are you? <laughs>